This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. Sad, sad, sad rugby story. It is the Springboks and another record loss. 57-0. Yeah, I mean, where do we go from 57-0? I was at 57-14 and I think that's why we can start naming these matches now. You know, people talk about great tragedies like 9-11. I think we can talk about this as 57-0 uh, going forward now because it's a tragedy. It's an absolute disaster. It's a plane crash. There were no survivors. And fortunately, there is no black box because from what I've been hearing after this tragedy, there's no answers. I, of course, will try to find some answers for you today as to why the box was so useless. They were just outplayed. It was just so sad. It was like this song. I actually, um, I was doing some filming for my brother over the weekend, uh, some event that he wanted some drone stuff done. So I actually missed the first half completely. But, you know, being the good brother that I am, I didn't say, well, you know, the box are playing. Anyway, so I went and watched the second half at a bar. And I got there. And I didn't know what the score was. I know, like, I, I always knew the box would be behind because, you know, all backs are so amazing. But then I got there and there were all these forlorn figures at like half past 10 in the morning kind of drinking beer not because they wanted to drink beer it was like well what else are we going to do I think at that stage it was about 24 or something nil just before half time and then as the tries kept coming the people kept leaving and by the end of it it was just me in a bar kind of over at 11 o'clock in the morning draft and it was kind of I must have cut such a sad figure but there it was so the show is obviously going to be mostly about the Bok team today I don't have a guest. I don't feel like I should bring someone through the agony of talking about the Bok match. So I've got some some clips I'm going to play. We can kind of analyze a few things. But again, like I just don't think this answers like you know we wish we had in the past. Um, you know we we've we have lost the Bok's have lost to the All Blacks before, but we can kind of scrutinize certain issues. Like you know there was this pivotal time in the 57th minute where we lost a line out, or you know these were all games that. You know, there was like a 10 to 15 point margin, which in those days was still a thrashing. I mean, it really was. 57 points. Like, in schoolboy rugby, there's sometimes where games get called off when it's like that. This is what used to be the best and second best rugby teams in the world, okay? This was like the big derby. This was the massive pinnacle of international rugby. 57-0 happened. And it happened a year after, year after 57-14. I think that was what it was called. Oh, I know, like I'm sad and like, you know, I want to be upbeat with shows like this and I want to basically be quite objective and quite cutting and give some insights. But 
the more I talk about these things, the more sad I get because you think like there's a legacy of greatness that is finished. And we were also kind of like relatively uh, a beat about this whole season because it started with some good wins against the French. It started with comprehensive wins against Argentina where in previous seasons the box slipped up. But I think a lot could have been seen in that draw with Australia. Like Australia really aren't that good this year. I mean, we saw it in Super Rugby. And I know they did push the All Blacks a lot more than it was expected. But that Australian team that we played against in Perth, oh, it was it was dreadful. I mean, that was a dreadful match that... 20 all draw it was nothing was going on there so we talk about that we've got the proteas well otis gibson is now fully in charge of the proteas so obviously the test cricket is his first uh thing of business and then we've got the india tour to talk about because india thank you so much we're so grateful as south africans are so grateful that india has finally committed to fixtures to come out and play test matches football obviously there's lots happening in the English Premier League right now there is the League Cup that's currently on the go I think it's called the Caraboa Cup something along those lines then there's the PSL uh, see how Vitz is doing then golf this week we've got the Tour Championships so that is the 30 best players on the PGA Tour and they all go down for the big money Tour Championships basically it all comes down to the sort of top 5 right now if any of these guys win over the weekend, they win the FedEx Cup. So with that comes a $10 million prize fund, prize bonus. And that's a really big deal. Of course, past winners have been Jordan Spieth, uh, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy. Okay, not in that order, but you know what I mean. So all the biggest names in golf are all playing in a very, very concentrated, fantastic event. And then Formula One. It was quite a pivotal Formula One uh, outing this last weekend in Singapore because we all know that Mercedes has been so dominant for so long. Well, Ferrari has come back fighting, and they look really good. There was a lot of pre-season talk about the fact that, you know, Ferrari are going to be more than competitive this year. It's going to be massively exciting. And Vettel, well, he backed it up by going to the top of the driver's standings. He's looked good. He's looked aggressive. He looked composed. But in Singapore, well, let's just say things turned a little bit. Oh. Dry mouth, more sad song. So that is the bounce show for you today. Of course, if you are listening through the podcast, uh, thank you. You're more modern, progressive way of listening to things. If you are listening live and you want to chime in, um, I know for many of you, you all chatted out about the, the Springboks, but feel free to tweet me at follow the bounce or on the Cliff Central account, which is cliffcentral.com on Twitter or on the WeChat platform, just simply the Cliff Central official account there, or on the WhatsApp line 079-748-2090. The show is for you, so feel free to get engaged with it at any stage possible. I think that's the last of the sad music. Yeah, let's get into some real stuff then. It is The Bounce Show, and we are talking Springboks. Okay, so let's start with... Um, well, I'm sure you've seen the highlights, but let's just play through some of this. From a... Okay, jeepers, that sad music will not go away. It's haunting us even now. So we all know that the All Blacks are so good on the counter-attack. They can score tries out of anywhere. And, well, that was the whole thing. And I think the box always know this. So when you go through the highlights of this match, the first thing you think about is that one try will lead to two. But where will two tries go? I think the final tally was eight. But it was just in the way that they scored the tries. It was just so, so impressive. Away goes Aaron Smith. Drops the kick in. Yoani! He's got all the pace in the world! And he scores! Still there. Ripped by Black. Play on. Now it is it! Milner Scudder. They're closing. 
but he's got Bowden Barrett. Oh! Enjoy, you've got to be kidding. Goodness me, that is brilliant. <laughs> All Blacks oh, trapping again, ball. Slow, but coming. Now, away it goes. Here's the cross kick. Look on green. Yeah, look on green. Beautifully done by Mourner So that was 33 minutes of play. The All Blacks had scored three tries, and they were pretty good, and that was just it. And then as we got closer to halftime, all week prior to this test match, it was about can Raymond Rule tackle Ioanni? No, it was pretty much the answer. So that was that was the first half. I won't get in the second half. You get the point. They score tries a lot. So that was really, really sad. And, well, you know, the frailties of the Bach backline was something that we've been talking about for quite a while. It hasn't just been one of those things, well, let's just wait and see. Fadisa Kutsia, though, it was about showing continuity and showing the fact that this is the team he believed was good enough. Now, whether it's good enough, obviously, Elton Judge, he's had his critics throughout the Super Rugby campaign so far. But, you know, he is the number one fly half. He's there on merit. He's there to go play given all the chance. Unfortunately, Ross Crenier, he fell out again. Uh, so I think it's the second test now that he's fallen out on the Friday prior to it. Very unfortunate because the next step for Scrum Offs is to have Francois Hocott there. Now, I saw a really, really great tweet that said that by the time that Francois Pinot, sorry, sorry, by the time that Francois Hocott has passed the ball, the All Blacks have already signed three more Tongan rugby players. So it was always going to be slow service, and uh, I think the final tally for Hocott was eight handling mistakes. Oh, you, you know, in big games like this, you need a very clinical scrum off. You need a very clinical uh, fly half. Certain parts of the game need to be perfect. You need to control your territory. You need to make the most of your possession. And when stats like that come back at you, Oh, it's just a nightmare. The lineouts were a nightmare. Obviously, Malcolm Marks has issues in the past. I mean, pound for pound, he's probably the most fantastic player in that position of hooker. And uh, people have world over recognizing this right now. But if you can't find your jumpers, obviously, it's a massive problem because you're losing ball and your set pieces go in games like this. Well, the wheels will fall off. Of course, it's not just the guy throwing the ball in the lineout. So much has been made about the whole musical chairs concept around the box, just running around in the lineout. I mean, who knows where to throw there? Obviously, it's a planned move and it's, it's something they have tried before, but it's just so confusing and it just looks silly and it results in us losing the ball. So not a great, like, so those are some facets to obviously look at. When you go through the player ratings, something I also find very interesting because it is kind of subjective, but if you look at the player ratings and the player stats, the big, the big concern, like I said, was the defense of the back line. Just, they looked to be smaller men against Australia. And whenever the Aussies got the ball in the backs, they seemed to be able to make some ground running against our smaller guys. So we look at the ta- tackle stats. Raymond Rule, to his credit, he was attempting whatever he could, but I think he fell off about nine tackles. So nine missed tackles from a guy that ever, there was already warning signs around. But one of the most interesting stats in the whole weekend, the whole Bok match was that Kortnoskul's son, doesn't miss a single tackle because he didn't attempt a single tackle. You've just conceded 57 points as a rugby team against the All Blacks where you know the backs are going to be running the ball all over the place and you were not involved in one tackle, not one. Again, you see so much stuff on Twitter. It's like, how is it that you can't even get in the way of someone once? Not once. It's almost like you're evading stuff. So all of the concerns, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And this is a big concern for Alice Kutsia. And, um, well, where does a guy go like that? You know, what does he say after a match? Well, I've got exactly what he said after the match. 
and it didn't make for the most, well, reassuring listening. Uh, yeah, let's just go with that. Well, Alistair, uh, thanks very much uh, for talking to us. You came here with a bit of confidence and a, a head of steam up. What happened tonight? We did. Uh, we were just outplayed by a world-class team once again. I said it all week. If you look at the uh, first three tries that they scored, you know, a quick tap caught us napping there and then uh, intercept followed from there and then, uh, you know, one of those cross kick, kicks. And it's not that we didn't have someone there just bouncing their hands and they capitalized on that. And all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, 20, 21 points down, which is a tough ask. Um, you know, all credit to the All Blacks. They were superb tonight. And uh, again, you know, you, you come out here, you know you... You, you, you shouldn't hang yourself up, but it just happens, you know. We we actually did very well in terms of the territorial stakes and then the possession stake. And it's it's just that, uh, you know, the pass didn't go to hand at crucial stages. Uh, if we had, uh, you know, scored a try or a couple of points in the first half, it could have been a different thing. But, uh, yeah, we, you know, they were just too good for us. I, I'm pleased with a couple of brilliant defensive effort and a lot of positives that we, I can still take out from this game. Alistair, one of your go-tos over the years has always been your line-out. Tonight, it was a stray. Yeah, absolutely. The set piece uh, was really disappointing tonight, in all honesty. And, yeah, you know, that's one area in test rugby you should get right. And if you, if you, if you don't get it right, then, then you can't contest, you know. You, you can't defend for 80 minutes. So, uh, unfortunately, we, we couldn't put uh, pressure with, uh, with ball in hand and uh, directly because of our set piece. And because the scoreline blew out very quickly, of course, threes aren't any good anymore and you have to change your tactics. Absolutely. Then it becomes a, a, a chase, you know, and a catch-up against the all-black team. Um, it, it's difficult. And now it's a hell of a learning curve for us. And I think this young team has learned valuable lessons. So uh, we will look at the positives. And we've got two more tests back in South Africa. And hopefully we will, you know, learn from these lessons. I'm sure you will. Thanks very much and travel safely. Cheers. Thanks. Right, so one of the big takeouts was the fact that he believed that the defense was actually pretty good in times there. Again, you go back to the whole scoreline, 57-0, and you think, what are you smoking? But the reason why I wanted to kind of simmer down and really think about the whole Bach results and do this on a Thursday with you, I mean, everyone's kind of tired of talking about it, but there's so much of emotion that goes through watching the box and how South Africans go about consuming rugby and obviously re- reacting to it. And it's a pretty harsh thing to react to. I mean, we live in a, a country of extremes as it is when you think of like poverty, crime, corruption, all these different things. So we constantly, we, we're a very, what's the word? Anxious bunch of people most of the time, us South Africans. You make the box get thrashed like this and well, the top blows off. So what I want to do with the show today was kind of go through these clips and kind of try assess things on both sides. Yes, I, I still believe that Alistair Goodseer might be out of his depth here and he showed it last year and just his general composure towards just talking about stuff. It feels like he's missing a few things here and there. You know, it's so hard to go and sit in a position like this where all eyes are on you and everything is being scrutinized. And it really, really must be difficult. So we've got to understand this as well. I know a lot of people go, oh, yeah, well, he's cock and he must just get fired now or he must resign. And I can't actually argue with that. I really can't. Once your team has taken a thrashing like that, maybe the only thing to do is say, guys, look, I've clearly failed. I've clearly not done what I could do here, and this is a disaster. This can't happen. Therefore, I'm going to say this is it for me. I'm done because this is rock, rock bottom. Something else to consider is, of course, the All Blacks. And I think for so long now, the box have developed this edge, or sorry, this mindset where, wow, these guys aren't just going to beat us, but they might actually thrash us. And then they start going into their shell. They start forgetting the structures. They forget a lot of things. And as you can see as a coach, 
I mean, what do you do with your players like that? What what could he have possibly said to them at halftime? You've done, and they said, they had great preparation going into this match. They knew exactly what was coming at them. They now have to just execute. They're down four tries or three tries, whatever it was, at halftime. And he must have looked around and he's thinking, shit, this is Durban all over again. This is 57 points coming. It's coming. What am I going to say to these guys? And a lot of these guys are also inexperienced. So all they've got to do is watch how dominant the All Blacks have been. Now they're finally getting a taste of how incredible they are. So we've got to understand that there is a lot of different factors at play here. And of course, these guys are hurting. And of course, they're really, really hating what's going on here. But at the top of the game, you are scrutinized to death. So before we get into more about what Garcia had to say, let's just go to the Supersport panel, who I'll always give lots of credit to. And these guys really are up in their game. And um, something different is Jean de Villiers. He's obviously an ex-Boc. He is now a rugby pundit. And something I do enjoy about him is that you can see he's been through all the battles in in the Bok jersey. Some good times, some bad times, and all his personal injury concerns. John DeVillis has been through the ringer. So when he talks frankly, as someone who I do believe is someone worth listening to. So here he is on the Supersport panel, just in the aftermath of this match. First half, we saw the box put in the effort. That's uh, uh, A bit of uh, ground, carry quite well, dominate in the one or two scrums. Um, and then it seemed to just uh, fall apart the moment they gave a, a, a glimpse uh, of a chance to to the All Blacks. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, you know, it, it's really difficult to, to comment about the game after this, especially if you've, if you've been in that situation before as well. Um, but the reality is that you know, we all thought last year losing by 42 points to New Zealand was, was obviously a low point, and, and I certainly didn't think that it would get worse. It did today, and, and it is very difficult to find a positive to say about this game. So, you know, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to say that we got outplayed in every single department of this game. We were beaten by a much, much better team. And when we talk about the improvement of the South African side, yes, there has been improvement, but if you compare yourselves to the best in the world, there's still a massive gap between the way we play, our skill set, the way we perform, the attitude we show versus the best team in the world. So um, it is so tough and um, you feel for the players, um, but they are the ones that need to be accountable for this result. Yeah, Very good point. Accountability, honesty, these are things to take out. All very, very good. Now, what Jean de Villers also touched upon is that there's just this massive gap and, you know, <laughs> we all know that the All Blacks haven't been at their best this year because they lost to the, the British and Irish Lions when Sonny Bullock got sent off. They end up drawing the final test match. They were a bit ropey against Australia. But when these guys get it right, it isn't fair. It just, it's just not a fair fight. Like I tweeted, it's men versus box. It's, I don't know, I mean, what else can we really say about that? We can, we can go on until we go blue in the face about the fact that, ah, oh, it's just not good enough. These guys aren't skilled enough. But it's just, it's, it's just become, it's like not a fair fight that the gap is so huge. And what's really worrying me is that we all can all look around and we just have no idea what's going on. To kind of go further to that, this is what Nick Mallet had to say about all of this. Now, criticizing this, this Buck team is, is like clubbing a baby seal. The, you know, they, the poor guys are defenseless. At the moment, the scrums were a shambles in the second half. The lineouts didn't go well in the first half. The replacements didn't make an impact. Uh, unfortunately, our scramble defense was nowhere. Our first up defense got worse and worse as the game progressed. But it, there's a psychological weight that, 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 that bears down on a player 
when you're looking at the scoreboard at half time and you're staring at 30 odd points to zero, the game is finished. You, you're never going to beat the All Blacks at 30 points to zero. So to come out for that second 40 minutes and, and, and try and turn things around, there isn't enough leadership in this team, unfortunately, at the moment, and uh, certainly not enough skills. And remember, the, before we even started this test match, I said, how many of the Springboks would make the All Black side? Yep. Well, I can tell you after this performance, not one. There isn't a single Springbok who would make a combined All Black Springbok side. I didn't think there was before the game, but there's certainly not one after the game. Indeed. Can't question any of those things that you've been said. You can only agree, you can only nod. So what if the reality that we need to actually really accept here, because we can keep asking these questions and we can keep singling out players because this is the easy thing to do. But what if the box are just not even in the same, I don't know, stratosphere as the All Blacks? I mean, is this something that we, we can't accept? Is this something that we just, excuse me, is this something that we just, we don't want to accept or, is this something we're going to be in denial about? So what I'm going to play for you next is the press conference following this match. So I already played for you the on-field comments of Alice Kutsia. What I found quite interesting is when all was kind of like taken in, uh, everyone had a bit of a shower, a bit of a rest. Now they got into the actual official press conference. Now just pick up here the change of tone that goes through the, the conversation here and how Alice Kutsia sounds like a very different guy to when he was talking about... Uh, the match directly after the final whistle. This is from allblacks.com. Did it feel like a rerun of Durban last year or even worse? Look, uh, credit to the All Blacks. They were superb tonight. That's why they're the world. world's number one team at the moment. Um, I think we had a good plan. We had great preparation. And the first 20 minutes was, you know, it's like a I wouldn't say like a horror movie, but we, we've played our, our best rugby in those 20 minutes. Honestly, ball in hand, we, we felt we won top and we dominated collisions. And, uh, you know, and then one pass goes astray and you're under the poles. Um, we had numbers on the cross kicks and we worked on that. Bounce over the ball, perfect, scored. Tap kick. Perfect, uh, you know, grubber in behind us. Brilliant timing. Ball bounce perfectly. Another try. So, and then you're 21 points behind, 24 points behind, and 20 minutes, a tough ask. They lay a quality side, and I said it in the week. I'm obviously really disappointed. The players are hurting, and it's definitely not through a lack of effort. Definitely. I'm, I'm pleased with uh, the way we kept fighting. Passages of great defence, passages of great uh, attack, but uh, you know we couldn't break them. They they were just a good. So, as you heard there, he actually said the words: "We played some great rugby. We were fantastic with ball in hand. We had great passages." How? I mean, this is actually kind of mind blowing. You look at it. As I said, the tone of this, he looks like someone has died. His preparations, everything he did going to this match, he felt pretty good. This team was in the best place to go play the All Blacks. Can you imagine what it must feel like knowing that your best gets, gets met with 57 nil? And again, I'm not making excuses for the box here because this isn't going to be one of those sessions where I now need to side with these guys who are hurting. It's about accepting what the situation is. That the fact is that the Springboks right now, 
don't have a hope in hell of being competitive against the All Blacks. Now, this is a massive concern, and that's a reality. So let's stop nitpicking about players, all that kind of stuff, because the players get picked from what a coach believes. Okay, This is the structure that goes into this, and it's just so badly – it's just so different. It's so completely away from where it could be. So this, the changes – it's not that Alistair Garcia needs to be fired necessarily. It's not that Raymond Rule mustn't play for the box necessarily. There's so much that's going wrong here. And, I mean, we've gone through this with the Proteas too. We've gone through the fact that they you know they get these positions and they can't win. They choke the crap out of things. And we've seen it with Bafana Bafana as well. Call me philosophical or call me just making this a little bit too far, stretching a bit too far. But I think all of our teams are absolutely damaged mentally, just completely and utterly damaged mentally. And these all our team sports, they reflect the state of where South Africa is right now. Now, international people might not understand this because teams go through phases where they're just bad or they're good, and it's got a lot to do with certain players here or there. We can throw whatever players we... You know what? You can give us your star 15 right now, because that's another thing people do on Twitter. Let's get a star 15, all the best players. Let's forget about any sort of um, selection worries, anything like that. Just get the best 15 um, Springboks out there. I still don't think it's going to be a massive difference. I really don't. I think the morale of this country right now is so badly damaged. It is so scarred that all of us, whoever gets involved with these teams and these things, they're so badly scarred. The morale is so low. And this feeling of just being inept and the fact that you are helpless. And like, it really is. And again, I'm going maybe a little bit too far from a political aspect, but South Africans feel helpless right now about everything. We can't do anything about the Guptas. We can't do anything about Zuma. We can't do anything about the All Blacks. There is scarring that is going in here. You heard it from these guys here. They're prepared. These are professional rugby players. They've done whatever they can to get to this game. And they got beaten 57-0. This isn't the end either. Because we're going to just keep remedying things as much as possible. They're going to go, okay, well, maybe we should get a new right wing. Nothing's going to happen, guys. This is Nothing's going to happen. The ball doesn't get to the wings anyway. So, I mean, we literally just may, might as well pick four centers. The guys that can tackle just to stop the rot. There is a, something in the psyche of South Africans right now. And all the teams are in decline. I, I, I know this sounds morbid. But we can always crap on about the fact that, well, you know, there's no rush defense and the guys aren't doing this, the guys aren't doing that. Brendan Fenter, who everyone believes is a fantastic rugby man, an astute thinker, someone who's done wonders for the box this, this season, go onto his Twitter account if he hasn't blocked you yet <laughs> at Brendan Fenter. You know, if you just go through what, looking at his tweets, he said, the Bok team had one very bad night at the office. Does not make for a bad team overnight. So many positives. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Keep the faith. The All Blacks taught us a rugby lesson. You know, that's, nobody has any idea how much the Bok's are hurting right now. The box, there was nothing wrong with the effort. We were outplayed. Sure. But this being outplayed, like the Bok's were in the past, and it's being outplayed now where there's just something fundamentally wrong in the head. And I think it's got a lot to do with belief and a lot about where we are standing as a nation right now. All our team sports are screwed. Do you not think that's a big coincidence? This is not because we've got a bad coach in all three formats of, of it. Football, rugby, cricket, whatever. There's just such a bad... There's just it like an exorcism is needed. It is that bad. Individually, South Africa has sports stars. Kevin Anderson just made the final of the US Open. Our athletes are fantastic. Our golfers are competitive. Individually, our sports stars, where the talent is, they do well. Team sports right now, there is like a hoodoo over us because of this whole feeling of being second best and feeling helpless to superiority. And that's exactly where it's got to. So maybe not what you were expecting to hear about the box, but that's exactly what it is, I believe. It really is. And again, I'm open to any suggestions where you think to the contrary. 
but it's like Nick Mallett said, you can't really criticize these guys right now. It'd be like clubbing baby seals. We have become the baby seals of international sport as South Africans. There's just, there's nothing to be inspired about. There's, there's no great triumphs anymore. And results like this, people are almost going to start expecting them. And it is so, so damn sad. It really is. So I think that's about all we should really talk about in rugby. Going forward next week, obviously, is a new week. As they say in the classics, a lot could happen in a week or whatever the cliches they want to buy into. The box will take on Australia in Bloemfontein. They will be better. No doubt about that because they can, be- they believe they can still beat the, the Aussies because Aussies aren't that great. They'll be playing at home. It'll be better. But this is so much in the head of these guys that needs to be exercised out. It really is. So much that has gone wrong and there's so much that just is never going to improve until something fundamental happens in this country. A paradigm shift in, in mindset. Because these team sports, I think, are reflecting the general state of everything right now. We'll get more into that next week. I'll try to be a lot more <laughs> positive and rugby-orientated with, with my analysis of that. But we've got to get into the cricket because Otis Gibson is now officially in charge of the Proteas. And he was essentially revealed to the media this week. And, well, you know, fresh blood, fresh ideas. I'm all for it. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome Otis Gibson uh, as a coach into South Africa, we all know he spent several years playing the game, first for Border and I think uh, latterly up here in Johannesburg. Um, Otis Gibson, from all of us at Cricket South Africa, a very, very warm welcome. For me, it's an honor to be here um, this morning, but especially to, to when I think about it, to sit here and, and sort of refer to myself as the head coach of the Proteas is a... It's an amazing thing, you know, and I'm really looking forward to working with a group of players we have, working with Cricket South Africa. We all know that a lot has been said about the World Cup in 2019. That is the, that is the big goal, but there's a lot of time between now and 2019. I've worked with England on two, two separate occasions now, and, and every time we've played against South Africa, there's been some good battles. Um, but the one thing that I've always seen is a lot of amazing talent. And I, and I know that there's a lot of amazing talent in the country, and, and, and I guess my job is to is to get that talent to perform on the field. When we've played against South Africa, I've had really good discussions with Russell Domingo. I think he's a top guy, and, I, and um, you know I got to pay a lot of respect to him for where he took the team and the job that he did, um, along with his support staff. And, and I just want to say really that I'm looking forward to this opportunity to to hopefully do something special uh, for the country of South Africa and with the team that you have. Perhaps the most crucial thing for me coming as a former fast bowler, you know, we have four quality fast bowlers injured. That's a problem straight away. Um, you can't really develop a team. You know, I'm a very sort of bowling conscious type coach, uh, head coach. Obviously, that was my specialism. Um, so... To win a match, you need to get 20 wickets. If you, get, if you can have your best four fast bowlers fit and, fit and ready for you, then that gives you a greater chance of getting 20 wickets and winning test matches. We, we have a series against Bangladesh, and I don't want us to get into the, into the sort of situation where we think it is an easy series. If you saw how Bangladesh played against, against Australia, and I was, in, I was in Bangladesh with England last year when Bangladesh won a test match against England as well. Bangladesh is becoming... Um, a very confident uh, international test team now, so I don't want us to get into the into the sort of comfort zone where we think, oh, it's Bangladesh, it's an easy series. I know that they're going to be tough 
you know, they've got Courtney Walsh on their support staff as well. Their, their head coach is, is doing a good job with them. So they're going to be tough. And we need to make sure that we are ready for that for that challenge. And that's why I said to Cricket South Africa, let's get everybody playing. Because we haven't now played a test match since August in, in, in England. So we don't want to go into that test match on the back of no cricket and get, get caught unawares and then think, you know, that um, maybe we should have. Let's, let's get out there and get some cricket going get everybody playing cricket so that when, when the Bangladesh series start, we're all up for it and ready for it. With the support staff, I'm very aware that I'm coming, I'm coming here and I have a game in two weeks. So it doesn't give me a lot of time to go and, and pick people and say, right, come, we're going to go and do this great thing in South Africa. So, and the other thing is that the guys that were here before were part of the group that took the team to number one. So they know the players very well. Um, so, so the what I've decided along with Cricket South Africa is to keep the people involved at the moment uh, so that it gives me time to assess them and then see what else is out there that, um, so that uh, by the end of the Bangladesh series I can say to Cricket South Africa, right, these are the people that I want because these are the people that I think can do what I want them to do. I'm very much aware of the transformation um, issues and certainly when it comes to picking support staff, that, that will be also be a part of, of it. I've been given I've been given um, the backing of Cricket South Africa to pick what I consider to be the best the best um, people to take the team where I want to take it, and obviously to come and, and and work with me. And and over the course, like I said, of the next of the next four, five, six weeks, um, when I speak to coaches, I'm going to try and get the best people for the for the jobs that I want them to do. It's always a big thing whenever you talk about South African teams that always try, you know, emphasize the point. It's going to be the best people. It's always the best people with the best people to do this, the best, best, best. But that's never the case, is it? Because there has to be certain things that protocols need to be observed and it's, you end up with people. Ah, oh, fuck. I don't want to get into negatives. Well, it's a great start. I thought he spoke well. He seemed very decisive about what he wants to do. And the whole thing about getting people playing again, of course, this week, everyone in, who is fit, who is a protea, is playing the Sunfall series, which is basically a series that nobody ever watches or cares about. But it's the four-day domestic series here in South Africa. And um, all the guys are out and they're playing, which is very good. So Bangladesh are coming. It's uh, two tests. I think it's three ODIs. I find it very strange that they are, they are resting Shakibola's son, who's obviously their best player. Now, Bangladesh have made some great strides in beating, as Otis said. They're beating Australia at home, beating England at home. They've won test matches. They finally made the big progress to actually not just competing and beating Zimbabwe in those Zimbladesh series that nobody watches. But they look they look good. But they look good on turning pitches. They look good at home where it's like 40 degrees and horrible. Whether they can do that on pitches that are faster, they are more bounce involved, and they can't just pick four spinners and and open, you know, open with a spinner. Well, that remains to be seen. So I know I think Courtney Walsh is their bowling coach, which is interesting, seeing as they don't really have seamers. Tours like this are essential for teams like Bangladesh to try to develop their skill set. Coming here without Jackie Balasan is a very interesting move, and I, I get that players must be managed and must be rested. But Bangladesh have got to see this as like, well, guys, this is this is the most important thing in our world right now, the opportunity to play against South Africa. And it's a wounded South Africa, let's be honest. They've just come back from England. Well, not just, but you know what I mean. They've come back from a series in England where they were absolutely thrashed. Um, there's my theory about 
teams in this country are just reflecting the horrible state of the nation. So they're ripe for the taking. They haven't got the fast bowlers they want to rely on. The batting lineup is all over the place. Who knows who's going to be there? Is AB going to be there? Is AB not going to be there? He's now available, so I would imagine he is. And there's a new coach. Bangladesh should be bringing the best possible team and should have prioritized the series as it is. So I don't know if they have. I don't know if they're going to just see how it goes. Ugh, like, I don't know. Everyone's got a plan, I guess. But Otis Gibson's got a tough job ahead because he is going to have to work out what his best combination is. That thing about picking the best players, he needs to really work out of understanding of what that is. Can he get it and can he make it perform on the field of play? Speaking of the field of play, it looks like India has now confirmed that there will be a full summer series against them here in South Africa. So there'll be four test matches, sorry, three test matches. There were meant to be four, but now Boxing Day is not happening anymore. India are only arriving in the country, I think, on December the 28th. They're going to play a little two-day warm-up on the 30th and 31st of December. And then the 5th of January, we'll see the first test. That'll be India versus South Africa at Newlands. So the New Year's test will be starting on the 5th. And that'll be the first big test of Otis Gibson's career, I believe. I mean, Bangladesh aren't going to be a pushover, but obviously the big teams are the ones that you really care about. So that's something to look forward to. But now this Bangladesh, uh, sorry, this uh, Boxing Day thing, CSA, Cricket South Africa, wants to have a four-day test match against Zimbabwe, a day-night test match at that in Port Elizabeth on Boxing Day. A four-day test. What that? What, what? What is that? Test match cricket against the Minos, it takes three days. They want the ICC to ratify it to be a four-day test? This is just the biggest, I, I don't even know what to say about this. This just sounds stupid. Schedule a five-day test like any other five-day test. We all know it's probably going to last for three. Why do you want to change the format? Test match cricket, test match cricket. <laughs> I mean, you can make it a timeless test. It's not going to end in three days. It's just, just stupid. Just go on with it. It's a shame that Zimbabwe, of course, are going to be like this little fuller-in team. It's not going to be much of a contest, but it's the first time we will get to see a day-night test, which is going to happen across the world, obviously, and we've seen all the strides that it's made. It's just a shame that it's going to be such a strange, contrived one because India couldn't be asked to get here when they initially, initially thought. But beggars can't be choosers, and when you're outside of the top three in cricket, which South Africa is, you're a beggar, and India obviously believe that you're privileged to have them. So you just shut up and take it and move on, I guess. Moving on into football, well, Vitz, they have gone full Leicester. They won the league last year. Now, oh, I, I don't even know where to start with these guys. They are so far down, and I know it's early days in the season, but their season started off in the MTN8 Cup. Now, this is obviously the best eight, people, eight teams in South Africa from the league. They then go and play in this cup. Knocked out pretty much straight away by Cape Town City, which in itself was a bit of a shock, and it wasn't great. But... Now in the league, you think okay, right, they're gonna they're gonna come right, they're gonna obviously consolidate, and their players are gonna get back to the form of the were last year. So five matches played. Golden Arrows, they're currently top of the log, along with Barocca and Pirates, they've all got eleven points. Right at the bottom is Platinum Stars, sixteenth place, one point after five matches. A point above them is Fitz. Played five. 1-0, drawn 2, lost 3. They got absolutely hammered last night by Amazulu 3-0. So if you ever are in need of a coach that's going to help them, it is Gavin Hunt who is their coach. But you, it's just such, it's mind-boggling to think that after five matches, they would only have two points. They were so good last year. They did everything they needed to do to be champions. Oh, it's, it is a bit sad. 
Speaking of champions, though, Man United looking like champions like in the old days. They're looking really great right now. They're top of the Premier League, and uh, they just keep scoring goals. They're scoring a lot of goals, which is really great. They've scored 16, as has Man City, who are joined top with them on top of the league. Man City, we know, they're just an amazing side. They can blaze teams away. They put six of the best pasts, whoever this luckless team of losers were over the weekend. So they both scored 16 goals. They've both conceded just two goals. So really, really strong for Manchester teams right now. Identical records. Chelsea are in third on 10 points. And then from there, Newcastle have come right. They've won three in a row. Spurs keep dropping points at Wembley. They've only won two matches. They've drawn one and they've lost two. That's not a good result. But to go further down, Liverpool already down in eighth. So they've only won two. <laughs> further down, 12th. Arsenal also only won two. They've had some draws as well and one loss. Uh, sorry, one, one draw and two losses. So it does already look like it's going to be a three horse race. You got to think of it. Spurs, without it being at home, really, uh, the top, the, the Wembley curse isn't going to help them out. So I know it's really, really early days, but I think it's just going to be Manchester or City or Manchester United. Chelsea, obviously defending champs, but they're going to have a slow start here. Um, yeah, that's, that's my original cock and block call. 22nd of September. It's going to be one of the Manchester clubs that are going to take it forward. In the League Cup, Liverpool already out of that one. Uh, no big surprise there. They're going to be disappointing. How Jurgen Klopp is still in charge there when you think how cutthroat this league is and how cutthroat this industry is. Now, it all comes down to, to packaging and marketing. Klopp is this delightful German hipster looking guy with those trendy glasses and floppy hair. That's the only thing that's saving him from this job. Brenner Rogers had a much better, well not a much better, but he did have a better record, but he looks working class, so he's gone. Yep, that's what you looked like in life, no doubt about it. And you try and give me a better reason why Klopp is still there. He was brought in to turn this team around and get it to play to potential. They're still floundering with the same old results. They show great promise. They then show great defeats. Nothing's changing here. How much longer he's going to be in charge, that is very interesting to see. In uh, golf, it's two championships, like I said. So it is a very, very big weekend for golf. And it's the week before the President's Cup. Now, the President's Cup is a big deal for the international players. So basically, everyone who is outside of Europe or America. So the Ryder Cup is like the big deal. So everyone really cares about that. The President's Cup is just so, well, I wouldn't say it's a secondary thing because it's not even close in intensity. The Americans always win that. And if you just look at the tour championships right now, 11 of the 12 who've made the U.S. President's Cup are in the tour championships, as in like the final, the final players. Um, if you look at the 12 President's Cup players from the European the international team, there's five. So you work that one out. I think the average, um, world ranking for the American team is like 12.6 if you work it out uh, whereas the, the international is like 30 something it's very one-sided basically the internationals are going to hope for a hell of a lot out of players like Mark Leishman who won the BMW championships last week they're going to expect a hell of a lot of Hideki Matsuyama uh, Jason Day you know he's fallen off a lot this year he showed good form last week but so much is going to be expected of guys who have not really performed this season on the level the Americans have but it's a team competition, so it'll be exciting if nothing else. Then it's Formula One. There, like I said, it was a pivotal weekend of Formula One because up until this point, Ferrari have stayed out in front. Um, Mercedes and obviously Lewis Hamilton have come back, but it's been all about the red team this year and good thing for it too. It's been a good thing for the sport. But then the Singapore Grand Prix came around and if you would look at the grid, 
Well, Verstappen, that plucky uh, Red Bull teenager, he was at the front, but the Ferraris, well, they were right there. But then the start happened, and well, things kind of went a bit south. And it's lights out, away we go, Verstappen gets an excellent start, Sebastian Vettel needs to cover him off, Kimi Raikkonen on the inside, and he's cracked with Verstappen, he's hit Vettel as well, Raikkonen is out, before the first corner, he's gone into the Red Bull there as well, carnage as Fernando Alonso gets involved in the McLaren, but Toro Rosso gets to the escape road, and Fernando Alonso is out of this race, as is Kimi Raikkonen, and Max Verstappen as well, it's the second time this season, Raikkonen and Verstappen have collided, and yes, Vettel going backwards, he is off, and looks to be out of it too, he's reversing round turn five, Sebastian Vettel has lost his front wing. How about that, huh? First few seconds of the Grand Prix, the first three on the grid, all out. And I think for the first time, we've actually got to acknowledge this. It wasn't Verstappen's fault. I don't think it was. He kind of started in pole. He held his line. The Ferraris seems to like sandwich him. So Raikkonen obviously got, um, the, got the biggest damage. So he was gone. And then Vettel, well, his radiator got clipped and that was it. So first round gone. Hamilton, well, he just sort of then kept composure and he won it. Not a lot of overtaking opportunities in Singapore. Good enough for him. He is now at the top of the standings for the, the driver standings. And uh, when you think about his pedigree, obviously what he's capable of, he's currently on 263 points. Vettel is now all the way back on 235. Now, Vettel, as I said, he's been he's had the lead for so long now. And uh, when Hamilton gets the lead like this, obviously he's a quality driver. He's the world champion. He's won so many different races. Um, what are Ferrari going to do? You know, they had to they had to capitalize on the early great start, and the Singapore Grand Prix. This could be seen as that turning point. You heard it here. Well, you also worked it out by yourself because it doesn't take rocket science to work it out from there. So up to up until well, the rest of the season, what we're going to look forward to with Hamilton with this decent lead now. Malaysian Grand Prix is next. That'll be next weekend, 1st of October. Then it's the Japanese Grand Prix on the 8th of October. The U.S. Grand Prix, 22nd of October. Mexican Grand Prix, 29th of October. Then we enter the final stretch, 12th November, Brazilian Grand Prix. And then the final one, 26th November at the Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi. Hamilton again? I'm going to go with a big fat yes. So that's pretty much all your big highlights from the week of sport. Uh, obviously, the rugby has been something that's put us all on quite a massive downer. Um, the box will take a break this weekend, as will the rugby championship in entirety. So tour championship golf is going to be a big thing. Australia are playing India in an ODI series right now, but it looks like rain's ruining that. England are hosting the West Indies in an ODI series right now, which could be kind of exciting because the Windies seem to have a good player mix here. They're not striking or boycotting the team, which is currently, well, generally always the case with those guys. So it'll be some interesting matches to watch there. Otherwise, uh, bounce.co.za-wise, I, I read something this week about blogging, about the content that I'm producing at the moment, and obviously how it's a little bit different from previous years. Sorry, too much breakfast. Uh, so it's a little bit different, and I, I haven't been writing as much for my site. Uh, you obviously have noticed this if you have been someone who has been reading the site for quite some time. I obviously write for other sort of uh, platforms and publications. So what I'm going to do now is that every Wednesday, I'm going to release a sports letter. So, you know, everyone's being, everyone gets spammed with newsletters and they're really crappy and they come into your inbox because maybe you've signed up, you've been guilted into signing up and eventually unsubscribe. So what I'm going to do is a sports letter, something a little bit different. You know, there's great talking points each week in sport that we need to tap into. So every Wednesday afternoon, you'll be able to go onto the bounce.ca.za 
I'm not going to spam your inbox. I might find a way of, of a subscription basis in future if it's something you do care about. You don't want to miss anything. But my the Bounce Sports letter going forward will have all the big talking points, a basic summary of these things, and obviously just the related multimedia around that. So you'll see great tweets or you'll see great videos because the best stories are when you know what's going on, but you want to get the insight from certain fans. And this is what it's always been about always been about on the bounce is that the best sports pundits I believe are the ones sitting on the couch. They're the ones who have bet money on something and it hasn't worked out and they're venting their frustrations. These are the people that must come through. It's people like you, it's people like me and that is how we get to enjoy sport the most I believe and I always will believe that. So every Wednesday afternoon the bounce.co.za look out for that. The bounce sports letter obviously I'll be showing that on all my social media platforms. And uh other than that, well, on the bounce as well this week, you'll be able to see I put together the full video from my experience at Club Med Bintan Island, which, as I said numerous times, it really was just the most special place to go to. And the golfing experience I had there was absolutely incredible. And that pretty much does wrap it up for this week. Um, yeah, I hope I've given you everything you need to know for one week of sport. Uh, obviously, the box are, have been released to carry cup action this week. Well, all the ones except for the Bulls because John Mitchell doesn't want to mess with continuity. So the carry cup might be more interesting to watch this week if you're into that. Otherwise, uh, catch me on the Gareth Cliff Show here on Cliff Central dot com every single week monday to friday i'll do well i carry on my with my daily sporting bulletins that'll be just after 6 30 a.m south african time otherwise follow me on twitter at follow the bounce instagram the bounce and on youtube please do subscribe on the youtube that is follow the bounce you can find me there catch you back next week thanks for joining me this is cliffcentral.com